Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 ukraine attacks the crimean bridge connecting russia to annex territory it certainly is going to have an impact on the ability for the russians to use that route congresswoman pramila jayapal retracts a statement where she claimed israel is a racist state. Multiple Democrats on multiple times consistently saying anti-Semitic remarks, and it has got to stop. Ford slashing prices of its EV pickup, F-150 Lightning, by nearly $10,000. Turns out, people who drive pickups don't want to plug them in. It's a, it's a crazy thought for sure. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, July 18th. I'm Mike Scott. A key bridge connecting Russia to the Ukrainian peninsula of Crimea came under attack on Monday, causing disruptions to one of Russia's key military supply routes. Reporter Blake Berman lays out why the attack on the Kirsch Bridge is significant. Two big headlines today. First, of course, let's start off with the Kerch Bridge. Part of it disabled as it was hit by drones earlier today. That's the key portion right there. This is a 12-mile-long bridge that connects Crimea, which was illegally annexed by Russia in 2014, to southern Ukraine. Russia uses it in part as a key entry point to get its forces into southern Ukraine. Now, Ukraine is believed to be behind the strike, as you said, and a spokesperson for the Kremlin today described that, what you're looking at, as a quote-unquote terrorist attack. Berman also explains the significance of Russia's announcement to withdraw from the agreement to allow exports of grain to flow through the Black Sea. Now, another major announcement today, or another major headline, it was an announcement from Russia saying it will no longer take part in an agreement that will allow Ukraine to export grains meaning it will impose a blockade, essentially, of exports in the Black Sea. Now, this will have a sizable impact as it relates to the global supply and price of wheat. For example, Ukraine, which is one of the big wheat exporters in the world, uh, exports roughly two-thirds of its wheat to developing nations. Here's what a spokesperson over at the National Security Council said today as it relates uh, to that decision from Russia. They said, quote, preventing this grain from getting to markets will harm people around the world. And indeed, we are already seeing a spike in global wheat prices as a result of Russia suspending its participation in the initiative. We urge Russia to immediately reverse its decision. Now, in the recent days, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, had described that tactic, Kelly, as a quote-unquote weapon. So Pentagon at the top of the hour, White House shortly after that, certainly lots of talk today about Russia and the ongoing war in Ukraine. The bridge was attacked previously when allegedly a truck bomb exploded and ignited several fuel tanks. Russian President Vladimir Putin promised to respond to the, quote, senseless attacks, end quote. The Kirsch Bridge is important militarily, 
But it's also deeply symbolic for Vladimir Putin, who oversaw the illegal invasion and occupation of Crimea almost a decade ago. An advisor to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky did not explicitly claim responsibility for the bridge attack, but said it was necessary. Retired Brigadier General Mark Kimmett says that the damage done to the Kirsch Bridge will have a moderate impact on the war. Well, I think we've got to understand that the Ukrainians are trying not only to cut the land bridge from the north uh, around Kherson over to the sea north of Crimea, but they're also trying to cut the land bridge uh, from the south. This uh, route has been a logistics supply line to get uh, equipment into Crimea for follow-on transportation to uh, the areas that the Russians control in the north. So it won't be as significant as cutting the land bridge with forces in the north of Crimea, but it certainly is going to have an impact on the ability for the Russians to use that route as a logistic route to get what they need up to those forces as well. Addressing Russia's decision to no longer allow grain to flow out of the Black Sea, Kimmet believes it will particularly impact poor countries. Egypt imports all of its wheat. It's got 30 million people inside of uh, Cairo alone. So this could have a significant impact on the grain supply for the world. I would expect if you take a look at uh, commodity prices this morning, you would see a bump in wheat. But the fact is most very poor countries rely on wheat for bread to uh, take care of their population. So it will have an effect. With Vladimir Putin threatening to use cluster bombs in Ukraine, Kimmet says that the threat is odd because reports show that Moscow is already using cluster bombs in Ukraine. Yeah, well, first of all, it's quite rich that Putin would say this because there's document evidence, documented evidence that he's been using the cluster bombs from the outset of the war. So this is nothing new on the part of Vladimir Putin. What are cluster bombs? Imagine an artillery round, as you're showing right now, shooting 25 kilometers and then in the air bursting. And you can see those small cluster munitions falling falling out of there. Uh, those were like hundreds of, of uh, hand grenades falling, falling over a very, very large area. Uh, some of them were able to destroy tanks. So it has a much more effective capability to take out tanks and troops than, say, a single artillery round alone. The retired Brigadier General believes, in his opinion, Russia is losing the war, so they're trying to resort to demoralizing the Ukrainian people. Uh, No, I think it's a strategy of the Russians to continue to terrorize the population. And the more large cities they can hit to terrorize the population, they believe that they can cause the uh, population to pressure Zelensky to stop the fighting. It's clear that Russia Russia is not winning on the ground, so it's going to try to attack the psychology and the morale of the people to try to get Zelensky to end the war. But up to this point, the Russians have been absolutely unsuccessful in that regard. Kimmet also addresses reports of Russia and China holding joint naval drills near Japan and says they're simply trying to intimidate the West. Oh, I think this is just what we call a demonstration. It's just a little bit of muscle flexing on the part of the Russians and the Chinese, trying to show them as part of this large alliance against the West, uh, 
Do they have a capability in that area? Yes. And will the in the Russian Pacific fleet going to train with the Chinese give them more capability? Yes. But there's a big difference between capability and intention. And I don't think China at this point has any intention to uh, try to sink any ships or to try to use that flotilla as part of an invasion of Taiwan. The bridge is a key supply line between Russia and its forces based in Crimea, along with southern provinces like Kherson and Zaporizhia, which are on the front lines of the war. Russia also has built a land bridge as an alternate crossing, but it is more difficult and dangerous. The Massachusetts Air National Guard member accused of leaking secret military papers wants to be released while he awaits trial. Daybreak Insider's Ed Donahue gives us an update on the case involving the young Air Guardsman who allegedly leaked classified information. A magistrate judge ruled in May 21-year-old Jack Texera must remain behind bars because releasing him would pose a flight risk or obstruct justice. Texera's lawyers are before a different judge and are pointing out the pretrial release of former President Donald Trump and others charged in high-profile classified documents cases. Texera is accused of sharing classified military documents about Russia's war in Ukraine and other sensitive national security topics on Discord, a social media platform popular with people playing online games. He faces up to 60 years in prison. Texera and Trump are both charged under the Espionage Act. I'm Ed Donahue. Progressive Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal of Washington is trying to walk back comments from the weekend that left her in the midst of a fierce backlash. During a stop in Chicago, Jayapal said that Israel was a racist state. We have been fighting to make it clear that Israel is a racist state, that the Palestinian people deserve self-determination and autonomy. However, this isn't the first time she has attacked Israel. Just this past Friday, before the event, Jayapal seemed to condemn the upcoming visit of President Yitzhak Herzog. The violence, settler violence that's happening in, in Israel and the West Bank, um, the uh, annexation of settlements that have been happening over the last several years, Netanyahu's uh, uh, collaboration with extreme right elements of, of Israel, and the fact that we are getting further and further away from the ability to actually legitimately talk about a two-state solution with security for um, and self-determination for both the Palestinian people and the Israeli people. So should the speaker not have invited him? I think this is not a good time for for that to happen. Jayapal has since released a statement that reads in part, quote, It is important that I clarify my statement. I do not believe the idea of Israel as a nation is racist. I do, however, believe that Netanyahu's extreme right-wing government has engaged in discriminatory and outright racist policies, and that there are extreme racists driving that policy within the leadership of the current government, end quote. White House Coordinator for Strategic Communications John Kirby addressed Jayapal's comments. 
Well, we saw that she apologized, and, uh, and we're glad she did. Uh, we think an apology was the right thing to do for those comments. Um, I think, as you saw from my readout of the call with Prime Minister Netanyahu, and you'll see this uh, tomorrow when the president gets a chance to meet with President Herzog, uh, our commitment to Israel is ironclad. Uh, and we're going to make that uh, clear and consistent every chance we, we get. However, Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy wasn't so quick to let Jayapal off the hook. This isn't the first person in the Democratic conference that has continued to make anti-Semitic comments. We've watched what they have continually to do. There are a number of them over there. I think if the Democrats want to believe that they do not have a conference that continues to make anti-Semitic remarks, they need to do something about it. Because they've defended these individuals time and again. The only time action has ever been taken is when we had to take the action. I think this is a role for the leader, Hakeem, to prove that, no, they're not anti-Semitic. And they cannot allow their members to continue to say what they have said in the past. I mean, think about what we're talking about. You, You just raised the one issue of what she called Israel. On a week when we have the president of Israel... Mr. Herzog coming to give a joint session on the 75th anniversary of the creation of Israel. The closest ally. Within minutes of Israel becoming a country, America recognized it. But now we have leaders in the Democratic Party. She's not just elected as a Democrat in their conference. She is a leader of their caucuses. And she's making these comments. McCarthy points out other Democrats who have also been embroiled in controversy over alleged anti-Semitic comments. Think of before what also Congresswoman Omar said. She equated the U.S. military and Israel security forces with Hamas and the Taliban. She said support for Israel is all about the Benjamins. Supporters of Israel have an allegiance to a foreign country. Tlaib, what did she say inside their conference? That she had a calming feeling when discussing the Holocaust. Who in their right mind could even say that? Betty McCollum introduced a resolution to condemn Israel and support Palestinian terrorist organization. These are just multiple Democrats on multiple times consistently saying anti-Semitic remarks, and it has got to stop. These are all individuals in the Democratic conference. Do they think Israel is an evil state? Well, if they believe differently, they should take action against their own for the comments coming from their leadership within their own Democratic Party, and that's wrong. Other progressives like Ilan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Jamal Bowman, and Cori Bush have all said they will not attend Herzog's speech in protest. Jayapal is reportedly undecided on whether she will attend the speech, but has said she doesn't believe she will. The Senate will take up its version of the National Defense Authorization Act this week. More on this developing story from our Daybreak Insider in Washington, Bob Agnew. 
The upper chamber will vote Tuesday on a motion to advance the bill for consideration. The Senate is crafting its own version of the NDAA rather than working with the version passed by the House last week. The Democrat-controlled Senate will likely try to sidestep a number of conservative amendments found in the House version, including pushback on progressive priorities in the military involving abortion, transgender rights, diversity and inclusion. Bob Agner reporting. Just a few months after President Joe Biden endorsed Ford's F-150 EV pickup, the automaker has slashed prices by $10,000, a sign that some experts say point to a softening demand for electric trucks amid fierce competition. Mr. President! This sucker's quick. In a statement, Ford said the price drop was due to the result of lower material costs. However... Critics point to the fact that a nationwide infrastructure for EV vehicles still doesn't exist, which is causing some consumers to second-guess interest in an electric vehicle. News Nation's Leland Vitter says that data shows that the demand for electric vehicles isn't where automakers need them to be in spite of a push for EVs directly from the White House. Ford today, quietly, and I mean very, very quietly, announced a major price cut to its F-150 Lightning. Of course, you cut prices when people aren't buying your products. Turns out, people who drive pickups don't want to plug them in. It's a, it's a crazy thought, for sure. And one that is sure to confound the White House, because President Biden loved the F-150. Despite the endorsement, Ford cut the price from 60000 to 50000 for the entry-level edition. The demand just isn't there. You'll remember back in the day, there was a lot made of a waiting list for the F-150 Lightning, and now they are lowering prices. And now the waiting list for Teslas and the F-150s and electric cars in general is a thing of the past. That's why prices are down on EVs across the board, something that we've predicted since January. And now dealers have a 103-day supply of electric cars. That's up 350% since a year ago, despite already lowering prices. Automakers globally have been investing hundreds of billions of dollars to create new electric models, build battery factories, and construct new EV plants. Industry-wide sales of electric vehicles in the U.S. continue to trend upward but have cooled off from last year's 71% rise. Another drug maker is seeking government approval for a medication that can slow the mental decline from Alzheimer's disease. Daybreak Insider's Jackie Quinn has more on this story. Eli Lilly is asking the Food and Drug Administration to approve its experimental drug, Denonimab, presenting evidence at a conference in Amsterdam, saying it can slow the worsening of Alzheimer's symptoms by four to seven months. It's a lab-made antibody administered by IV, which targets the sticky amyloid buildup found in the brains of Alzheimer's patients. A similar drug, Lakembi, was approved earlier this month. Both drugs also come with a serious safety concern, brain swelling, or bleeding. In Eli Lilly's study of 1,700 patients, three people died. I'm Jackie Quinn. Unionized Act. 
actors have joined screenwriters on the picket lines in Los Angeles and New York after talks broke down with studios last week. Daybreak Insider Entertainment correspondent Margie Zaroleta gives us an update from the picket lines. That is the sound from the picket lines in Los Angeles, where the actors' union SAG-AFTRA has joined the Writers Guild of America in strikes against Hollywood studios. It's the first time since 1960 that two major unions picketed the studios at the same time. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which represents the studios, says the walkout will hurt thousands of workers in industries that support film and TV. I'm Archie Zaroleta. And finally... I just wanted to see if you you knew any kids around, like... 11 or 12, maybe, because I need, I, need, I need some friends, like, from really bad. A video of a young Texas boy who knocked on doors of his neighbors in search for friends has gone viral. Hi. A homeowner has an unexpected visitor, a boy in need of help. Um, the man isn't home, but he's touched yeah, by the um, earnest 12-year-old story and continues to speak to him over ring cam. Homeowner Brennan Ray and his wife Angel posted the video, and it is now going viral with 10 million views. How brave, goes one comment. I'd be his friend, goes another. They also made it a mission to meet young Shaden of Amarillo, Texas, in person. The connection was immediate. The boy even hit it off with their two-year-old, just like he said he would. Brennan's now wearing a Jaws t-shirt in solidarity with his new buddy. As for the boy who was once in desperate need of friends... I need some friends, like, from really bad. We're happy to report things have changed. Have you made new friends now because of this video? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) How's that make you feel? My confidence has gone through the roof. When Shaden asked neighbors Brennan Ray and Angel Hammersmith if they had kids, Brennan suggested that his own daughter may be too young to play with. However, Shaden was undeterred. Do you have any kids? Yeah, she's two years old, though, man. Oh, okay, that's great, because I actually, I actually, I love two-year-olds, to be honest. <laughs> cool, man. If I see you around, I'll, I'll tell you hi. Okay. All right, man. You have a good day. Brennan asked young Shannon about a couple of kids in the neighborhood, but there was a problem. Uh, okay. Well, um, they're not my friends anymore, because um, they're bullies to me. Oh, I'm sorry about that, man. Brennan was immediately touched by the young boy's pleas for help. I think everybody could feel it. Uh, he's, he's begging for someone. Uh, he's calling out for some help. Shaden's mother has been touched by so many people who have embraced her son and showered him with affection. I was just scared that Shaden would be a victim of more bullying. But when I saw all the love and affection, it was awe-inspiring and beautiful and the two people who created this video have the biggest heart of gold. According to the National Center for Education Statistics, one in five students are bullied. More boys than girls report being physically bullied, while more girls said they're the subjects of rumors and are purposefully excluded by group activities, according to PACER, the National Bullying Prevention Center. The video of Shaden has now been viewed over 68 million times in less than a week.
Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. 